0: What's your problem? What's your solution? This is an interview series about making the world a better place. In 1984, after law school, Robert Kennedy Jr. joined Riverkeeper, a watchdog organization started by fishermen to monitor pollution in the New York Hudson River. Today, fish and people are swimming again in the Hudson. Time Magazine named Kennedy a hero for the planet because of his work on behalf of the Hudson River. Can lawyers use legal action to stop climate change and other environmental damage? It has been done before. Robert Kennedy knows how. Welcome to Camp Solutions. You were an early environmentalist. Your early work was with the Hudson River, which you, you know, yeah. you pursued. Maybe... I started
1: on the Hudson working for commercial fishermen and recreational fishermen and
0: suing polluters. Can't we use the same method to reverse global warming and, and work on climate change? Litigation is probably the, not
1: the best way to make public policy. Um, it works in some contexts, it is not the best way to change behavior on a population wide scale in the way that we need to do it now. Really, the best way to do that is through democracy and through politics. Unfortunately, those kind of solutions, which could be very elegant and simple and quick, um, are not available to us because, uh, or they're blocked because of the political power of the carbon industry and also other polluters. Uh, we have the capacity now. I mean, people ask me how I can retain any kind of optimism given the current world situation. And, uh, you know, what I the reason for my optimism is technology. Mm-hmm. We have technology that can solve virtually all these problems. And even with the large population that we have, which is always going to be problematical, that's an essential. Just the population burden on the ecosystem is almost insurmountable, but most of it can be reduced through the irrational use of technology. But that's not happening. We're not adopting the technological solutions that can solve these problems at nearly the pace that we need to because the economic incentives
0: aren't there. If we look at what business is doing in terms of clean energy, you know, the, that seems to be there are two parallel trajectories. One, politics not working, and business in the meantime rapidly implementing clean energy. You and I have talked about this for many years, and for many
1: years we've been saying the solutions exist, and ultimately the, you know, the best solution and the most elegant solution for solving all of these environmental and energy issues is true free market capitalism. Yes. Because in a true free market, a true free market promotes efficiency and efficiency is the elimination of waste and pollution is waste. And In a true free market would require us to properly value our natural resources, and it is the undervaluation of those resources that causes us to use them wastefully. In a true free market, you can't make yourself rich without making your neighbors rich and without enriching your community. What polluters do is they make themselves rich by making everybody else poor, and they do that by escaping the discipline of the free market. And You know, the the place, and of course, the incumbents, the oil and coal industries and industries like that that make their living, that make their profits from destroying the planet. The solution, of course, is to pass laws and enforce laws that require them to internalize those costs the same way that they're internalizing their profits. And they know that, and they know that they cannot compete against wind and solar on a level playing field. So their solution is to focus their wealth on capturing the political system and then disabling it so that the political system is no longer creating and enforcing market rules that, um, that incentivize rational behavior and sustainable behavior.
0: You're basically saying that you cannot become an elected politician in the United States without the money of the fossil fuel industry. That's right. It's, it's virtually impossible to become
1: a, an elected official in our country to have any influence as an elected official if you're not taking a lot of money from, um, you know, from the industries that are not necessarily human friendly. It's not just fossil fuels, the pharmaceutical industries as well, and any industry that makes money by commoditizing our landscapes and commoditizing our people, our children, et
0: cetera. I'm, I'm sure you've met or you're meeting those people working in these, these big corporations. I mean, ultimately, they are people like, like us, right? So why is that system so working in such a negative way? Do you understand that?
1: Well, a part of it is that human beings do have a capacity for denial and for rationalizing their behavior. And people who are in the fossil fuel industry you know, are destroying the planet. Um, convince themselves that what they're doing is good, that it's important, and I think they feel safe. As they think, you know, we can always fly somewhere to get away from the mess we've created. We can live in gated communities and we can insulate ourselves with our wealth from the consequences of our bad behavior. You know, when big polluters and wealthy people create catastrophes for human beings, you would expect in a rational universe that the consequence would somehow come back to haunt them. But in fact, the way it actually works is those catastrophes actually end up making them richer. They give powerful entities an almost feudal-like power to come in and um, and suppress dissent and, uh, and to uh, to liquidate the assets of a community for quick cash, and that is, you know, I think that that is what we see in West Virginia. You see, people who are utterly demoralized communities that are, are drinking poison water um, where the the uh, the labor unions are um, have been uh, devastated, or the uh, hospital and health systems are the worst, and education systems are the worst in the country, and the worst that gets for people. The more desperate that, desperately they cling to leadership that makes promises about, um, about some ephemeral future and isn't okay. really giving them anything. When these big companies come in and they, um, and they create some kind of cataclysm, you have in almost all cases a kind of social collapse that follows it, where you, you, know, where you have unemployment and poverty. And at that point, the alchemies of demagoguery become very attractive to people and you can manipulate Human beings by, you know, by turning them against each other and by appeals to what essentially is a biological impulse for tribalism of saying, you know, you, well, I look like you, even though I'm rich. I look like you, I'm going to give you the job. And these people who are coming and trying to transition to a more sustainable future are your enemies. They're outside the tribe and they must be attacked and not listened to in silence.
0: At the same time, isn't it so that business costs it, business has yeah, to the Business
1: truth. has to do it, but we have to it, design a rational system, a true free market capitalism which rewards good behavior and punishes bad behavior. Free market capitalism is the most powerful economic engine ever devised, but it has to be harnessed with a social purpose. Otherwise, it will drag us inexorably down a path to plutocracy, and that's what You know, we're seeing more and more. And you look at what happened to Rome. Rome was around for, um, what, 800 years. But only 300 of those were a republic. The rest of it was plutocracy. And we're watching the same thing happen now to our country. And, you know, it's almost difficult at this point to see a way back because a militant, almost fascist ideology actually profits from Mm. Um, from catastrophe and disaster and social failure. Yeah. And so while they're creating the social favor, failure, they're also profiting it from it. And it, it's, it's hard to see how you
0: end that dynamic. The beauty of, of clean, renewable energy is that it is decentralized. You don't need these huge uh, capital-intensive corporations to run that, so that could change. Society and could re-democratize our our world. The
1: political system of a country tends to reflect its economic organization. And if you ha- if you democratize the energy system so that all of us are creating our own energy, and every home becomes a power plant, and um, and all of us become you know energy merchants, energy and generators, it's really good for our country but it's not good for the incumbents and um, for them, that centralized system that is, uh, uh, that's easy to control and that uh, continues to produce those profits, which then are used, are funneled into the political system to keep them in power and intact and to warp the market economy and pervert the market economy away from democracy and
0: towards plutocracy. If you were in that position, if you were in the White House, what would you then try to do? How would you change? Well, that? I mean, there's one thing about
1: being in the White House, and but um, if, if I could wave a magic wand, yes, please, and I had to make one change, yes, I would, um, I would get the money out of the political system, because I think then the political system will correct itself. Okay to remove the money from politics. And um, and then you remove the political power of the oil industry, of the coal industry, of the pharmaceutical industry, and politicians are then free to act on behalf of humanity and of an optimistic, idealistic vision for our country. And they no longer can be
0: destroyed by
1: stepping on toes of, of
0: incumbents. Do you still have the problem that all these people with a lot of money could have themselves elected as president because they would, would have the money to do that.
1: The problem isn't that wealthy people can run for political power because oftentimes wealthy people, as you point out, they're not bad people. They're idealistic and they all have all different kinds of visions. And the fate of law is when anybody must go to the oil companies and the pharmaceutical companies to get elected. You know, A corporation is acting on behalf of its shareholders under the laws of the United States, for example. A corporation cannot act altruistically or idealistically. If you see Walmart bringing bottles of water down to the Katrina victims, they're not doing that to be good people. They're doing it because they believe that that Visible Act is going to accrue to a higher shareholder value down the line some way. If, on the other hand, they actually are doing it to be good guys, any of their shareholders can sue them, and they will win that lawsuit. It's called wasting corporate assets. You are not allowed to turn your corporation into a charity. You must continue to do everything you do, ultimately, it must be about building shareholder value. It seems almost crazy to allow these entities any involvement with our political process because they are not putting money into the political process because they love our country or because of a patriotic impulse or because they love humanity. They're doing it to increase shareholder value and to increase their profits. And they're, you know, they're basically, they're uh, they're profiteering and they're changing laws in a way that ultimately
0: has to be corrupt. Climate change work, reversing global warming is, it comes at a cost. People think that makes things more expensive. That, that's why it's still hard to get people really, you know, to support. There are many ways
1: to increase costs on carbon by reducing costs elsewhere, without any net impact on the amount of costs that comes out of every taxpayer's pocket. What if instead of, bringing, of, of giving billions of dollars every year, borrowing money from the Chinese to buy, to buy oil from Saudi Arabia, <laughs> what if instead That's we were, we're doing, right? taking that money and investing it in, um, in infrastructure in this country that would allow individuals to make money, every homeowner to make money by having solar panels on their roof and selling that energy utility? The energy itself is free forever. We're no longer breathing poison air. We have healthier children. We have smarter children. We have um, we have higher standards of living. We have a way for every homeowner to turn their home into an, a, a money generating power plant. Um, those, and that we keep everything in America, and we generate that I hear it's like a tax break for every single person in our country, because it's free energy forever. We had an energy system in this country that was based on human slavery until 1865. And in order to dislodge the incumbents, we had to have a a civil war that killed 669,000 Americans. And because the incumbents of that energy system did not want to relinquish their hold on political and financial power. But we ended up with a much more efficient system. Do you
0: meet people in American politics who are really willing to, to, to stand up for these changes that we need? I think there's people at every level of politics
1: and you know, across our country who are, um, who are ready to go to To war, to give their lives, to um, for uh, for idealistic purposes, to transition to a a a sustainable energy economy, and something you know I think people are um, are very worried about what's happening to the world now, and to the you know with climate change and the acidification of the oceans and the poisoning of water supplies and the poisoning
0: of our air and they are ready to fight for it in this country at every level of our society. It seems that there are few examples in history where, you know, where the accumulation of wealth, once it happened in a sort of a peaceful way, uh, you know, redistributed again uh, and created a more peaceful and healthy society. Is there any hope for that? It
1: has happened, mean,
0: mm-hmm. it happened during the New Deal in this country. You
1: need leadership, and you need leadership with vision, because at that time in history, you had—you know—the whole world was in a depression, and uh, and you had Italy and Spain and Germany go in one direction, yes. which was to fascism. You had Russia. Oh, in another direction, which was to communism. Both of those are tyranny. And in our country, there was tremendous support for fascism at that time. And people don't remember that today. No. You know, Life Magazine and Time Magazine and Forbes and Fortune Magazine were calling for, you know, for us to emulate Hitler and Mussolini. We were lucky enough at that time to have a president, Franklin Roosevelt, who, um, had this very effervescent personality, and he was able, even without doing anything, to encourage people and to give them an optimism about our country. And he rescued democracy and gave us 50 years of what is called the Great Prosperity, where you had this explosion of the American middle class, and you know where you where the the, the gaps between rich and poor disappeared. Most importantly, we passed a law that made it illegal for corporations in 1907 to give money to federal political candidates. And that restored democracy in our country. And we had that for 100 years until 2008. And the Supreme Court threw out that law and unleashed the floodgates and allowed billions of dollars to flow into the political system. And now the corporations own our country again. And we look much more like a plutocracy than we do, like, like ancient Rome, than we do uh, the democracy that we once, that I grew up in. What is your problem? Uh, you know, to me, the kind of the essential problem in all of the areas where I kind of live and function is, um, is about the subversion, the decline in American democracy. And the subversion of democracy by corporate power, we have to understand in this country that the domination of um, of government by corporate power is the essence of what Franklin Roosevelt called the essence of fascism. And then the domination of government by business, is called communism. And one one is over here and one is here. And our job is to walk that narrow trail in between, which is free market capitalism and democracy. And in order to do that, we need a a public, an informed public that can recognize all the milestones of tyranny. And we need a vigorous and independent press that's willing to call out the, the plutocrats. And we don't have those things anymore in America. What is your solution? Uh, My solution is, my my number one solution, is to uh, get the money out of politics. I think that without that, we are on our way to Armageddon if we don't do that.
0: Thank you, Robert. Thank you. The environment needs democracy, and democracy benefits from clean and renewable energy. This was Camp Solutions. See you next time.